We are on chapter 4 today. Opening question says, have you ever wrongly judged something by what it looks like on the outside? A person, a book, a house, a gift, or etc. What made you realize your judgment was wrong and how did you change your outlook on that moving forward? <laughs> so have you ever wrongly judged something by what it looks like on the outside? I have, and, and it was a person, yeah. their countenance. They had a poor countenance, but they were really sweet. They were very sweet. They never smiled. They, all they ever did was frown all the time, all the time. And their countenance was so poor that you would just think that it was just an evil vibe. But they were one of the most sweetest people I had ever met. Yeah. First look at them like, boy, that guy's angry all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People, books, places. Yeah. I have misjudged a lot of things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and it's because how they acted or mm -hmm. the, the things, especially people, you know. Uh misjudge the way they acted, uh the things that they that that they said at the time. It could have been they having a bad day or, uh, or a reaction to a situation or a circumstance and you, you, you believe that they don't even, especially if they profess Jesus Christ, right. it, you know, and you act like that. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. What uh, about those... Uh Go by a restaurant and you look at it, and it looks like it's going to be just a dive old place. It don't look like nothing we have. Yes, you go Lord. In there, it's the best food. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and it's especially those that looked all nasty and terrible. <laughs> I ain't going to eat in that. No, I, I can't eat in yeah. that. No yeah. way. And then you go in there, because I know a restaurant just like that right now. Yeah. Uh, you can, and man, you go by there, it's, it's in the worst area of town. Uh -huh. Uh, it, it, the building looked like it's, 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 it's caving in. Looked like if you go in there and open the door, the whole joint going to fall in on you. But, man, it's got the best soul food in town. I mean, they have lines all the way down the block. You can't even get in there. There's be so many people lined up in there. Uh, yeah, I have done that. Lieutenant Mario took us all. Guys trip one day, one Saturday, we all piled in three bands, and he took us on the north side of Chicago to this barbecue place, and we pull up and we're like, "This is not going to be And it's just—it's only takeout, so you have to walk in. And it's just a little tiny place. You think it's not going to be, it, but you walked out of there with a humongous box of barbecue food, and it was so good. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Days. Yeah, but. I even misjudged some books that, that 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 you looked at the book and at the title of it just didn't even seem right. Yeah. This can't be right. Or you haven't never heard of the author or something. You even found the book and it, even have found some books at the Salvation Army. This book ain't gonna be no good. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty Cent. 
oh lord why do I even why why waste this 50 cent <laughs> Yes, Lord. A lot of us do that. A lot of us wrongly judge one another based on solely on the, what we see from the outside. Uh, to some degree, we can get an idea of what a person is about based on the kind of lifestyle they live. But that does not give us the whole story. Today's session will help us gain clarity on what it means to truly demonstrate our Christian faith from the inside out. Peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 19. If somebody would like to read that or start reading it. Let me watch the video. So then since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your Former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayer. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't... Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. 
if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely safe what will happen to godless sinners. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. So what you're looking for as he's talking, it says, uh, look for the following questions. Can you tell whether someone, can you tell whether or not someone is a Christian by looking at them on the outside? How does Kyle answer that question? What were two primary ways Kyle mentioned that we demonstrate the world, our faith in Christ? And what does Peter's what does Peter mean in verse 7 when he says, The end of all things is near? Those are things to look at in the video. that have some kind of outward physical indicator that allows people to know that if 
person might be a part of that religion. It could be a special hat that is worn. It could be a dot in the middle of a forehead that just lets you know. We can't use those because those are already taken. Can't all wear shirts and ties and ride bikes around because that's been taken. So any ideas? I mean, how can we identify that someone is a follower of Jesus? Many people who say they're Christians aren't necessarily referring to some heartfelt belief commitment. Oftentimes they're just talking about a family heritage. They call themselves Christians because their parents were Christians. The thing is, Christianity isn't hereditary. It's not something that's just automatically passed down from generation to generation. So the question is, how can you tell? Is it because they pray before a meal? Is it because they attend Easter and Christmas Eve services? Well, the disciple Peter listened to Jesus teach on this. Jesus explained how you can tell if someone is one of his followers. And when Jesus explained it to Peter and the disciples, he gives two primary evidences that show whether or not someone is a Christian. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus says, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. In other words, you can tell what's real about someone, not necessarily by the words they speak, but by the life they live. The fruit proves what kind of seeds are in the ground. So how a person lives is one evidence. And then Jesus gives another evidence in John 13, verse 34. He says to Peter and the other followers, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my followers. You are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus makes it clear that the most compelling evidence that we have, that we are his followers, is the way we live and the way we love. So ultimately, letting our light shine is more than what we say. It's more than how we feel. It's living out God's love in our lives. So how can you tell if someone is a Christian? Well, the world will know that we are followers of Christ by those two things, how we live and how we love. Peter learned all that directly from Jesus and is now passing that teaching on in a letter he wrote to Christians that were facing severe persecution and had been scattered across Rome. They were suffering under Nero, and Peter is going to make it clear that when the pressure is on, that when they're facing incredible obstacles and opposition, it's also an incredible opportunity to point people to Jesus by the way they live and the way they love. So here's what Peter says in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. And so Peter says, In the midst of the suffering, arm yourself with the same attitude of Jesus. In other words, right now, we need to prepare our hearts and our minds to respond to difficulties and challenges and sufferings with the same attitude of Christ. You don't arm yourself in the middle of conflict. You arm yourself going into the conflict so that you're ready and prepared. And for these Christians, things are rough, but they're going to get a lot worse. And so Peter says, now is the time to arm yourself with the same attitude as Jesus had when he suffered. We've heard this from Peter before as we've studied the book of 1 Peter. It means that you don't trade insult for insult. It means that you don't go on a rant under some news column and use all caps and a lot of exclamation points and yell at people in your typing. It means that instead, you're going to have the same attitude of Christ. 
who made himself nothing, who took on the very nature of the servants and was obedient to death, even death on a cross, according to Philippians chapter 2. So that's the attitude that we need to work on now so that when we're mistreated and when we suffer, when we face difficulties, we will have the same attitude as Christ. Uh, Peter has more insight for us. He says, people will know that you're Christians by the way you live, and you can expect for there to be some abuse, some um, ridicule for abstaining from worldly living. Even when that holiness is done in humility, that holiness can feel like an indictment on somebody else's worldliness. Verses 3 and 4, he says, For you've spent enough time in the past choosing to do what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And they're surprised. Now they're surprised that you don't join them in their reckless and wild living, and as a result, they keep abuse on Peter says, of course, that's what happens. And of course, your former friends, the people you used to hang out with, of course, they're surprised that you're no longer doing what they do, that you no longer kind of plunge into this way of living. And so what do they do? Well, they slander you. They make fun of you. They give you a hard time because you're living differently than they are. Caught off guard by it. They don't know exactly how to relate to you because they see that you're living differently. You have these convictions that they don't have. And so they slander you. The NIV translates it, they heap abuse on you. Maybe to your face, maybe behind your back, but you'll feel it. But remember, Peter says, that all of us will have to stand before him, that he is ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So keep that in mind, right? When you're tempted to just kind of acquiesce because of pressure, when you're tempted to give in because others are giving you a hard time, remember that you and I will be held accountable for the words we speak and the life that we live. In verse 7, Peter announces that the end is near. Uh, he means this by way of encouragement. It doesn't feel very encouraging when someone essentially says the world's coming to an end. But this is Peter, the disciple of Jesus, who's speaking these words. And he's saying, hey, the end is near. This isn't going to last forever. What you're going through is temporary. And as a result... In this temporary place, we live sacrificially, and in every way, we give glory to God through Jesus. Verse 7, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Peter says the end is near, and so be intentional. Make sure that you're praying. Our prayers should be marked with this intensity and this intentionality, because we know we don't have that much time left. Our time here is short. It's rough, a lot of turbulence on the plane, but we're going to be landing soon. And so Peter gives some encouragement to us as we pray to look for the return of Christ. Because the end is near, he says, love each other. And verse 8 says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other deeply. Showing that kind of love to each other can change any situation, it can alter any circumstance, it can bring light into any darkness, it can mend any wound, love covers all. Peter says love is above all. Loving each other deeply is above all. It's above your religious rule keeping, it's above, you know, getting ready for church and coming every weekend. Above all, love each other deeply because the end is near. Verse 9 says offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
the word hospitality is a compound word in the original language, and it means love strangers. Love those, in other words, who aren't a part of your group. Love those who are outsiders. Love those who don't agree with you. Love those who don't see things the way you see them. Love the unlovable. Love those who don't show love back. And too often times when we think about showing love, we think about showing love to people who love us. And that's good. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. Hospitality is giving love to strangers. It's caring about. It's providing for. It's serving people who are not a part of our community. And so we love without looking for anything in return. The end is near. Verse 10 says, because of that, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so that is the call for us to use our gifts, not for our own edification, but for the edification of others, not to draw attention to ourselves, but to encourage others. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, Peter writes, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So in chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, Peter goes on to warn Christians living as these minorities in this society. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come to test you. It's if something strange was happening to you. Sometimes we act like it just shouldn't be happening. That perhaps because we are followers of Jesus, we should somehow be exempt from these things. When Peter is making the opposite point, that it's because we're followers of Jesus that we can expect these things. And he says, instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When you suffer, be glad about it, because that suffering partners you with Jesus and it produces a joy in you that's gonna be so much greater when Jesus returns. So he says, don't be surprised by this. Don't be caught off guard. Don't act like it's strange. Instead, embrace suffering as something God uses to refine your faith, to reveal his blessings, to confirm the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Verse 14, if you're insulted, he writes, because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So when we're insulted, when we're mocked, when we're belittled, when we're berated, when we're vilified or marginalized, there's this tendency, and I've got plenty of it in me, to just pridefully give it right back. But their insults, if I read this right, their insults carry with it a blessing Every insult carries a blessing from God. So we should be glad when it happens. And our response should be to praise God. Look at verse 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And Peter says we should proudly, unashamedly bear the name of Christ. And if or when that brings suffering for us and to us, we should embrace it. So our ability to love others depends on our active belief. Our compassion for others demonstrates our conviction for Christ. If we have a conviction for Jesus, we will demonstrate that through compassion to others. Rather than seeking to serve ourselves, we should willingly devote ourselves to serving others. In doing so, 
persecution and suffering may come, may come from the world, but Peter says God will care for our needs and he will be with us along the way and one day there will be a reward for us in heaven. that we could tell whether or not someone is a Christian? By their, life, by their lifestyles, yeah. by their fruitful, fruitfulness. Their actions. Their actions, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And how they love. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the next one. What were two primary ways Kyle mentioned that we demonstrate to the world our faith in Jesus Christ? Love. Yeah, that's one. How we live, right? How we live. And how we love. Yeah. So two important things. And again, I say it again. The salvation is a unique way to show the community love because the hurting are coming through our doors every day. So um, we have a we get to see it firsthand. We get to provide love firsthand, and a lot of churches get that opportunity. So. What does Peter mean in verse 7 when he says, The end of all things is near? That nothing is going, it's not going to last forever. Yeah, our sorrows, our yeah. tribulations, trials, tribulations aren't going to last forever. We're going to have some suffering. He says we're mm -hmm. going to have some suffering. But when Jesus comes, we're going to be rejoicing, right? Yeah. There's going to be no more suffering, no more pain, no more heartache. How has your faith changed the way you approach the relationships you've had prior to knowing Christ? I think for me, I look at relationships differently than I did before. Instead of trying to just saying, oh, I hate that person, I try to get to know that person a little better and why they're the way they are, maybe, so the relationship looks different may not necessarily agree with everything they do, but the hate part is different. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, I won't say it's not there, because it could still be there, but you look at them differently. So you show them love, you show them Christ, but you're no, you don't write them off anymore. Like, when I was a kid, I used to write people off all the time. But now you look at the relationship differently. What about you guys? Well, you go at a relationship a little bit differently than you did when you were in the world. Yeah. In the, in the real world, it was always a selfish motive. Oh, yeah. it's, it's what you can do for me or how you came uh, related to me or whatsoever. But now, it, you know, God commands us to love 
and 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 then it's all about me trying to present Christ unto you and salvation unto you. So uh, a lot of times you 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 looking for a way to give love but to present Christ unto this person. So sometimes you just have to just sit there and just look at them. Lord have mercy. What am I going to do with this person? Why did God bring this person into my life? So a lot of times you're wondering, what is God trying to do instead of what this person is going to do for me? It's what God is trying to do for what has God brought this person into my life for? Work through yeah, for, that for, for this person, what is God trying to do here? Because now you're looking through the eyes of Christ instead of looking through the eyes of yourself. It's, it's no longer a selfish motive to the relationship. And that way it, 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 it becomes a Christ thing instead of a self thing. So. As for me, relationships is more or less like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? So based on what you've heard today in the session, what can you begin doing to prepare yourself for suffering? How can you begin to cultivate habits that will help you to remain faithful when things get difficult? This may be something you just want to jot down for yourself. Maybe you want to share something, but think about that for a minute. Just uh, what can you begin doing to prepare yourself for suffering? None of us want to suffer. None of us want to go through a, a trial or a tribulation or suffer for anything. I, I got a paper cut and I think I'm dying. But. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I found some sufferings and things like that will, will help build you mm -hmm. better. Sometimes it's needed. Yep. It's just like chastisement from the Lord to when he's trying to straighten you out to let you know you're not going to, you my child, and I'm going to chastise you or you're not going to keep doing this because I said no. Sometimes I, I, I really believe that sufferings are needed. In order for us to straighten ourselves out, and where it says, "How can we begin cultivating habits that will help you to remain faithful when things get difficult?" <clears throat> to remain faithful, sometimes it takes separation. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, I find it really takes separation because some things you can't be around. Some people you don't need to be in their presence. You can pray for them, but if some people I just find do not want to change one way or the other. Yeah. So without Christ, they won't anyway. But yeah. sometimes I think you have to separate yourself. Yeah. yeah I always think you have those few names on your, your prayer list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know back here that nothing's going to change. But you still pray for them because maybe yeah, you just gotta pray one for them. day yeah. something will hit them on the head and say, hey. Wake up. Absolutely. <laughs> I was just going to say, I pray every day for my boys because they're sitting there like, well, mom, how can you prove and how can you do, you know, and I'm like, well, one of these days, <laughs> one of these days, <laughs> you know, when you, uh, when it comes to tuition, you're going to see and you can't backpedal and say, well, you know what, you know what, you know what, maybe I do, I, you know, but I can see, you know, I can see those little sparks and, you know, mm -hmm. I, and I keep telling myself, I hope it's just not me reading more into it. But, you know, even at my mom's funeral, 
you know, I could see that them just wanting to talk to me. And here's this little kid of me wanting to just, you know, just full blown, just go right out and open that Bible mm -hmm. and talk about. <laughs> but um, I know I'll get that chance. God will provide that chance for me to really open up that Bible and say, "Here you go, right here it is, black and white." Yep. So I can. So it's about how our actions, how we live, so how we, right. how we uh, show our families how we're living, mm -hmm. and then we just love them. You know, because when they get, you know, when they're in my house and they'll start, you know, sometimes they'll let the certain words fly and I'm like, not in my house, sir. Right. Not in my house. That don't happen here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, exactly. so. Yeah. I, I, I can see it. So, you know, it's, here I am just, you know, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So, the, you know, the, I can see. Yeah. You know, so just I keep praying for them. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of things in my past I don't I don't like, but now that I, I'm where I'm at today, I can see that you know there's certain people that I can talk to now about certain situations because I've lived them already. So I've suffered, I've been through that trial, I've been through that heartache, and when somebody else is going through that, I can say, "Hey, I can relate to you. I can. Here's how I dealt, dealt with this. Here's some scriptures that I dealt with. You know, here is some things I did. Maybe it'll help you." Sometimes we go through things, we, we wonder why we're going through it, but at the end, you'll see why. Yeah, why, why I went through that trial. Yeah. And so forth. Well, let's pray, and then we'll head over to worship. Father God, we just uh, thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for the words of Peter. And Father, we thank you that uh, for your love and your grace. Father, we just ask this week that uh, you will help us uh, live the life of Christ by our actions. Father, that we will show love to those uh, that may be unlovable, that we think there's no way that we can love them, but Father, we know through you we can love everyone. Father, we just ask this week that uh, those family members that we have in our, in, our, in our lives that are struggling with knowing who you are and question each day about our lives and question your existence, Father, this week maybe uh, they'll see just a glimmer of you in their lives. Just show yourself to them this week, Father. Father, I ask you to pray, uh, be with us as we uh, go into worship service, that we be glorifying to you, and Father, we just ask your spirit to just fall among us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.